You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75. Two-time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Tony Casillas, TC. What up? You know, I'm doing good, RJ. Happy uh, Tuesday to you. Um, before we start our podcast, I wish in the uh, the sake of my my uh, my beloved wife, uh, that it was a Buckeye, that it could have been a, a much better competitive game. But, you know, as we watch, as we always seems like it's every year, you know, the you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide won, what, six national championships now? And it's just crazy to see how dominant. But other than that, you know, I'm doing good. I hope you're doing well yourself. I'm doing well. So um, I saw, by the way, your wife had a ring, like an Ohio State ring that you yeah. shared on social media. Yeah. So does the yeah. ring go like in a box for a few months? Like, what's the protocol there? You know, the protocol for her, RJ, is that she, uh, you know, she's all in when it comes to the Buckeye Nation and and I, it's, I mean, it's throughout the country right. and uh, there's as much, uh, there's just, you know, there's this commitment when it comes to being an alum and she, the ring, she has the, she even made uh, Buckeyes that uh, it's actually, if it's a chocolate with peanut butter in the middle, I don't know. Oh, if you it's do like this, a snack. Like, okay. Yeah. It's actually a Buckeye. It's uh, if you've ever seen an actual Buckeye nut, which by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not. Uh, let me just educate you that. I mean, here I am, an OU alum and educating an A&M alum. And like, you really want to know, but it's actually a poisonous nut. And if you didn't know that, you know now, but they're really good. I think that was probably the best part about watching that game was the Buckeyes that she made chocolate and peanut butter in the middle. Right on. So <laughs> I have a few takeaways. We started binge <laughs> eating them after a while. It's like, okay, we need to change the whole uh, momentum here so right. they should see more poisonous nuts <laughs> um i have i have a few quick things they have nothing to do with the actual game because it wasn't that close um yeah. it, predictably in some senses but so um, you mentioned we were like we were talking about rings uh nick saban now has seven six with the crimson tide um and i always wonder you know like how does he how does he decide which ones to wear you know what i mean but um but that kind of goes to you because you have multiple super bowl rings yeah. do you wear the same one on the same finger you know like if you're going to wear them both you know like does does one go on your ring finger one on your middle finger or do you do you mix it up like what's your what's your routine well i use i do i wear it on my ring finger uh i don't know if you've ever seen my thing you know, well you never seen me in, in person I'm behind a curtain uh but uh you know, through virtually and the way we've been working together. But if you ever seen my fingers, my fingers are kind of jacked up. That's sure. 12 years. There's a national football league. So uh, I have some kind of gnarly looking hands. So the only one, the fingers that my rings will fit on, which I think are one in the middle is probably because it's been broken a couple of times. It's probably a size 16. And then you move to my ring finger and that's a 13 
uh, on that one. So I wear both of them on my ring fingers. Um, so you both know, the hands, thing about, what, you go both hands. Yes, okay. yes, both, both ring fingers. You know, the one where I wear my wedding band and the one obviously on my right hand. So uh, the thing about the rings is that I don't know if the novelty ever wears off, but I've, you know, I've had them for so long. And, uh, but it, to have six of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's quite of an accomplishment. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. I think it'd just be great. Charles Haley. I, I don't know if you've seen Charles. Charles has got five rings, but right. he wears his, he has a necklace that he wears and he wears all five of them. So that'd probably be the best way to display him. But man, I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for anyone that has too many rings to wear. Yeah, I agree. Uh, certainly not the biggest problem. My last takeaway, and maybe this is a sign of, of me getting older, there's something that I really <laughs> don't like about Ohio State. You can also lump Clemson in there to a degree, Florida State. I don't yeah. like, and I'm curious for somebody who's played college football at, at the big-time level, College Football Hall of Famer again, I don't like the the decal award system. I've never liked that on any school. I like a uniform looking helmet. Everybody's got the same one. I don't need you to get a little sticker because you made a tackle against, you know, Wisconsin back in November. Like, no, I don't need, I like all the helmets to look the same. Um, How do you feel about that? I see. I like it. I think that's been the tradition of the Buckeyes to have those stickers. I remember watching them play back when I was growing up and they still, you know, in the Arch Sleetzer days, you know, the, we're going way back in the Woody Woody Hayes days right. where they had those. And I'm thinking, man, you know, Pop Warner, I hope my coach gives me some of those for, oh, for making on. a tackle. And I was all, all on board of that. I think that, you know what, only it's someone like, I think, Ohio State, because I think they kind of started that whole trend with sure. it, can get away with it. But I just, I, I, I like that. It's not a participation award. It's actually – Earn him now. To me, it, it gets all covered up and it gets kind of lost with you know the and I'll, I I love the colors of Ohio State. Agreed. But, uh, I have no problem. I always kind of confuse it with kind of like a marijuana plant for some reason. To oh, me, I, I always yeah. I, I was like, what is that? You wearing like uh you know is that a dispensary? You guys advertise for that, but. I think it's pretty cool, my man. Sure. My last thing, again, I told you these were really minuscule things. You know how, like, they again, in normal times where there's a thou- thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people in the, in the building and they set up the stage in the stadium right. before the game, you know how they put the helmets of the two teams there mm-hmm. right on the stage? Mm-hmm. Do you know how they pick the Alabama helmet that they put up there? Because, again, not like the Alabama helmet, every player's got their number. So how do you pick what number you're going to use? You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm just going to guess that maybe it's uh, the captain or someone that week. I have no idea how they picked their helmet. See, I wondered for a long time, and this was entering 20, um, the 2016 season. At the time, they had, I think, six, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the number here, but at the time, um, it was the number 16. Like, that was the helmet that was there. Like, you know, every big game, whatever, the SEC championship game, the Natty, whatever. And, yeah. I, and I thought, like, oh, okay, they're just using 16 because that's the year, right? Like, they're just, you know, mm-hmm. go, they're right. keeping it nice and clean. No, no, no. Yeah. That was the – it's the current number of national championships that Alabama has. And it just so happened that it lined up with 16 at the time. And then Alabama lost to Deshaun Watson and he ruined it forever. And so now it's going to bother me for the rest of my life that, you know, Alabama is going to be sitting on like, you know, 20 or whatever. We're going to be in, you know, 2025. It's just going to look weird. Man, just keep that in perspective, though. How great <laughs> yeah, the greatness of it's Alabama. Amazing. It's even reference that it's how many national championship games you played in, but. And I, I, I am just blown away on how talented and how athletic and how 
they can, you know, they can beat you both ways. Devontae Smith, I mean, the dude was amazing last night, and they just didn't have an answer. He just felt like Ohio State. You know, they had the, you know, when I looked at the when I looked at the over and under at seventy five, I'm thinking, man, you know, I, I didn't really didn't register RJ because right. that's a lot of points. But then when Alabama puts up fifty two on you, um, then I realized how great their offense is. And I look honestly, I haven't really been locked on, in on college football because I kind of maybe felt like it's in a little asterisk. It's been different, you know? yeah. Yeah, and and so, but to watch them play and to play a really good team like that, you're like, my gosh, man, it's it's not fair. Sometimes, I mean, it really, it's, it's really not that they're that good. It's unfair that now Alabama has mastered offense. Like it was unfair before when they were just a defensive powerhouse and and could get, could just beat you on offense, but now it's just. But not see, so- I know you love to hear this because in him, and I know you have all this love towards Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian, I'm going to Texas. I mean, now there's going to be this expectation. All right, this is what you did at Alabama, and you're going to come into the UT. Good. Let the ex- just go ahead. Let the expectation be high. That's <laughs> that's what Texas does best, and then they continually fall short of them. But wait a second. You guys don't play them anymore. No, but Oklahoma's we – was in the Big 12, so you got to – you know, we, we want them to be – we want to be competitive, but like you said, I don't want them to be that good, and I don't – expect them to be that good especially with texas when you don't have those type of athletes right and you know it should be mentioned again that texas a&m beat mac brown's team in the orange bowl so congratulations again to texas a&m Man, we're going um, way back also also <laughs> congratulations uh to another tony that played for the cowboys tony roma yeah. will be joining you in the college mm-hmm. football hall of fame um tc so look at that just maybe tony tolbert you know like is next you know what i'm saying like a- anthony fasano like we'll just get all the tonys in there <laughs> Um, so pretty cool deal for, uh, well, yeah. For Romo. yeah, great for him. And then, uh, Bob Stoops, a former uh, coach right. at Oklahoma got inducted. So congrats to him. And I was glad to see that, you know, I, I look at the class every year of college football and, and, you know, this year you look at all the, the different names that are going and it's just, uh, it's pretty impressive. All the greatness of college football, but, uh, shout out and congrats to Tony Romo, man. So on the subject of people that have done what you've done, so a Tony that played for the Cowboys going to the College Football Hall of Fame, um, you once went from the Atlanta Falcons to the Dallas Cowboys. That is what Dan Quinn is doing, the new Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. Uh, it really kind of happened rather fast. The Cowboys fired Mike Nolan and Jim Tom Sula last Friday. Uh, right away, we started to hear rumors, started to hear reports about different names that were connected to the job. Uh, there were three external candidates that had been named before this was finalized. Dan Quinn, obviously one of them, Joe Witt and Justin Simmons, both of whom had worked with Mike McCarthy before. Um, Before we get to Dan Quinn, a lot of people, Tony, on Twitter, um, as you know, people can be rather rational and calm there. Uh, And this includes myself, um, to, to be completely transparent here really upset at the idea that Mike McCarthy was interviewing his buddies, right? Cause that, that was what happened with Mike Nolan. You've talked about yeah. it before. This is a league mm-hmm. about who, you know, looking at things now that Dan Quinn has been hired. Do you think it is preposterous to consider that maybe Dan Quinn was the favorite all along and that Mike McCarthy, because he does look out for his guys, just, just interviewed these. And I'm not trying to diminish the value of the interview, but interviewed these guys to get their name in the interview circuit so that other teams would say, Hey, you know, the Cowboys are interviewing Joe Witt to be their defensive coordinator, whatever. And then maybe he gets a gig with somebody else. Is that, would that shock you if that was the case? 
Well, I think that when you go back and look at Mike McCarthy and he put his staff together, I think he had to have some familiarity with guys that you already knew, the guys that didn't have jobs. And I think that Mike Nolan was probably the easier answer, right? Because mm-hmm. he'd been out. And um, so I, I get that. And he did some good things. But I think with Dan Quinn, I mean, you got to bring – you got to interview different coaches, you know, whether it's the Rooney rule or whatever it is. I mean, not to, to say that there's a lot of – there's a lot of great qualified defensive coordinators out there. But, I mean, when you look at Dan Quinn's record uh, as a head coach and obviously what he did at Seattle, RJ, I mean, he did some tremendous things, a Legion of Boom. Right. Uh, just uh, – and, and, and I – I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to manifest or how that's going to work here with with the Cowboys, because you look at the people that they had and we'll get into that. The personnel was just amazing. Um, I think that he's a he's a more simplified scheme. And I think that when you you look at what's what's happened, you look at Mike Nolan, that thing didn't work. I I don't know if it was just too complex. I mean, disguising things. I mean, yeah, you can you can get too fancy. Okay. And I just don't think that that work. And I just really think Mike McCarthy was looking for, hey, I need to put a staff together. Who's available? I mean, let me look at resumes. And, you know, as I always mentioned, you know, it's a game of who you know. It's a game of fraternity. It can also be a game of retreads where all these other right. guys just keep, you know, retreading and resurfacing around the league. And, but I think Dan Quinn, I mean, he's definitely really respected. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, took Atlanta to a Super Bowl and, you know, things didn't work out, but he's definitely a, a really good defensive mind. I think on the subject of the Super Bowl, um, and that was the year the Cowboys went 13-3. and three. They were the mm-hmm. one seed. Atlanta was the two seed. Obviously, the 28-3 to three blown lead. That was Dan Quinn's second season in Atlanta. And I do – I mean, that's something that, like, I mean – Anytime, like even this past Sunday night, when the um, when the Browns were up twenty eight to nothing on the Steelers, uh, the Steelers scored a touchdown to make it twenty eight to seven, and the Falcons Twitter account tweeted out this like this gif that was like them, you know, wiping their brow, like thank God mm-hmm. it's not twenty eight to three, because anytime twenty eight to three happens, yeah. everybody thinks That's of the, the Falcons, right? Yeah. And so I I just I mean from like a I hate to say psychological perspective because I don't know like the psyche of Dan Quinn, but that has to follow you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that, that stench was going to be on Dan Quinn forever in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, even if the Falcons had won the Super Bowl, people would have said, this is awesome, but you should have too because you shouldn't have blown the 20. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. never going to go away. And I do think that that breaking off from that is and and no longer being the head coach, you know, because you're the face of it when, when you're in that seat. I think that has to be good for Dan Quinn in some respect. I realize that's a really optimistic sort of spin, but I don't know. Do you agree that like that getting getting away from the Falcons is good for Dan Quinn and would be good for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones just because in a way like that whole group together it has that that smell of 28 to three? Well, it's 40. His, his record was about 500. He's 43 and 42. And I, I don't know. I think that when you look at that game, you look at how it happened, you know, it was the Patriots and uh, I mean, Patriots did, have done right. that thing over the history of their, of their winning all the Super Bowls. And I don't know if that's something you, you don't think about. I mean, I think you have to finish games. We saw the Atlanta game with the Cowboys this year. When, right. We also, you know, here with the Dan Quinnism, you know, the, the 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 meltdown, and the Cowboys came back and and, and won the game. Uh, you know, look, I think in a, as a as a coach, you can't worry about that because you can't. There's always going to be examples of that in life. I mean, we all have that. Sure. But coaching, especially, the problem is, is that when you get there and you're able to 
you know, I always thought that game, it was, it was a game of them trying to not lose, you know, and sometimes that's the worst enemy. Okay. And, but I think there's a certain more, there's more calmness as a, as a defensive coordinator because you're not the head coach and, you know, you don't have to deflect all the criticism that these guys have to when they are the head coach. And, you know, most, some guys, are, you know, they, they thrive in that environment. But I just think Dan Quinn, I think that his, I, I think you'll ask every player that, that's played for him, whether it was in Seattle or it was a defensive right. coordinator or it was in Atlanta, I think guys like him, you know, and they respect his philosophy. And, and I don't think that you think about that. I think, yeah, you want to – I'm sure he wants to be a head coach again, without a doubt. Sure. I'm sure he wanted to continue coaching in Atlanta, and I don't think he really thought about that. I mean, that's part of the game. But um, now it's kind of like, well, what do I move on and what am I going to bring to Dallas, you know, as far as what do I have to work? What tools do I have in my toolbox to work with? That's right now. That's got to be the thinking there. And that's got to be this this organization to move on and try to – you know, it was disastrous last mm-hmm. year. The season was a horrible because of what, how bad their defense was. And now it's like, okay, now we got to build around Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs, Leighton Vanderess, Donovan Wilson, Randy Gregory. Those are the guys I got to work with, and this is what I got to do to get this defense pick it up and get it to a more respectable level. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So something that Mike McCarthy has said a lot over the last year, um, we're now over a year into the Mike McCarthy era. It, it feels it feels like yesterday and it feels like a decade at the same time. Yeah. Um, but so he has always said that he wants to listen to his players, right? Like listen to them um, like when their bodies aren't aren't feeling great. You know, he wants to just, you know, he wants in that sense, be a player's coach and, and kind of adjust to what they need. I, I would have to imagine that at some point, whether it was since the season ended or maybe when the season was not going well, the conversation was, okay, guys, what do you view as the problem here on defense? What, what would make your jobs easier? And the answers were probably something like, yeah, it's too complicated, whatever. We got to get back to what we know. And there's no question that the peak of the Cowboys defense in recent memory, and I'm using the word peak just in a literal sense. I'm not saying it was great, but it was, it was the best version of them was in 2018. Leighton Vanderish's rookie season when Jalen Smith was good at football, not worried about a lot of other things. Um, there, was, there was a lot working right in 2018. 
2018. That was the height of the Chris Richard era in Dallas. Um, obviously, Chris Richard comes from the same system that Dan Quinn does in Seattle, the Legion of Boom era under Pete Carroll. Uh, I want to read you something, Tony. This was Richard Sherman on the podcast he does with Chris Collinsworth uh, back in early October. They were talking about the Cowboys because obviously they were terrible. Um, and Chris Collinsworth asked Richard Sherman if if he had ever heard of teams changing coordinators in the middle of a season in a guy's first year because of Mike Nolan and everything. Um, and so Richard asked and, and, you know, had a long answer, but the part that I find really relevant now, he said, I don't know if changing the coordinators changes the way they run that playbook, but if you change coordinators and they go back to foundational fundamentals of running a certain defense, then I think they'll have better results, but who am I? Um, so that, that line right there, foundational fundamentals of running a certain defense. This to me does feel like, you know, the, again, the conversation was, Coach, we missed 2018. Again, just in a large sense. So McCarthy said, okay, what'd you do in 2018? You round the foundational elements of the Legion of Boom defense. Chris Richard, that dude was terrible. Let's go. We, we were dealing with the appetizer. Let's go get the main course and Dan Quinn because he's available and we'll get back to that. Is, do you see that or, or am I reading too into it? I think complexity has a lot to do with it. I think that, you know, it's easy for for me or any, for us to criticize what they're doing to philosophy. But I do know from my, from the, from, uh, you know, from the eye, the eye test and watching them play that you can, you can be more complex. You can disguise blitzes, but you know, how fundamentally unsound is that going to be for you? Because you still have to play your gap. And I think that that's the thing about, you know, look, if you, once you become, fundamentally sound and it doesn't matter if you're in high school college football especially NFL fundamentals is, is the foundation for everything and I just think that when you look at a really sound defense guys understand the philosophy they're in their gap the responsibility and I think once you're trying to kind of manipulate that in a way where you're trying to get too cute and you're trying to you know outsmart your opponent then I think all of a sudden you're you're losing your focus as a player and I think to go upfield and run downhill, uh, that's the best philosophy. I always love that type of defense. That's so easy. I mean, it's easy, but you still got to believe in it. And, and you got to be repetitious with it. Because if you're running all over the place and guys are just out of the apps and they're out of, you know, they're not fulfilling their responsibility, that's when you really, really become vulnerable. And I think that that's what they happen. I think it's a combination. You know, I think in a, in a, in a scheme that you – want to try to do all these gimmicks and disguise right. and everything. You got to have the personnel. We also got to have guys up front that believe in that. I mean, I remember as a player, I, I trans transitioned from the three, four in, in Atlanta to Dallas. And I was, re, I was reborn as a player because all of a sudden I wasn't catching blockers. I was going upfield using, you know, what I was able to do and that's be disruptive upfield. I mean, that's the worst thing you want to do as a defensive lineman that you you, you want to have to change your skill set from one, one thing to the other. But more or less, mine was more of getting upfield. And I think this is the Dan Quinn defense that someone like myself or someone like Neville Gallimore that played right. Oklahoma was upfield disruptive. That's what they want to do. They want you to play downhill. I mean, that's the easiest and that's the funnest. I mean, that's, that's more fun than, than playing a, a type of defense where you have to catch and, you know, protect all the time and, make sure the guy's in his, in his gap. 
Right. No, I think that that's well said. And you mentioned Neville Gallimore. Obviously, the Cowboys still have Tristan Hill, who showed a lot of mm-hmm. promise early on last season. We'll see what happens if Gerald McCoy returns. Uh, but I do think that that position in particular, uh, Dan Quinn really developed Grady Jarrett in Atlanta. Um, yeah. That would be awesome if <laughs> if that could happen with the Cowboys. And I think that that, that ultimately kind of is where this um, – this is going to work or not is you can have the finest defensive coordinator in all the land. Dan Quinn might be one of the, at this point, top defensive coordinators in the game on paper. However, I mean, part of the reason for the success in Seattle was what Quinn did surely, but obviously it was mostly having guys like Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Bobby Wagner and Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and on and on and on. And so if, if, if you're making, if if it's, (laughs) Hey, Dan Quinn, here's Xavier Woods, you know, here's Dontari Poe. I mean, it's, just not going to work and so I do find it interesting Tony both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn Kellen's was an extension obviously but mm-hmm. uh we're given three-year deals right the Cowboys there is clearly yeah. a com- that that is clearly the window we, you know people love to throw out the term window and so if I I think that this I I'm not I'm not you know super pumped I'm, I'm definitely I think this was the best option for the Cowboys defensive coordinator but I, and I'm certainly not down on it but it is probably going to be a failure if they continue down the free agency and draft path that they've been on on this side of the ball they have to give this dude players to work with yeah I and, and I think that's the now that's the time timeline for coaches to either produce or have results and I think now you've already had some guys that were in the Rod Marinelli system that played under that where, you know, people complain because they were too predictable. But to me, they, at times, they played pretty good football. I mean, they didn't get the takeaways. And maybe that's a little bit because of the disruption and the, the Michael Nolan and, you know, the type of uh, defense in Creighton, you know, it just being in the right place at the right time. But, you know, I think that that's – it's result-driven. I mean, it's result-driven on what you – what your defense was – able to accomplish I don't know what they're going to do with personnel I mean there may be some guys that aren't there because of salary free agency some of the names you know Cheeto was he he's a free agent I mean there's some guys that they got to decide on where they want to bring back you mentioned you know Jalen Smith I mean is he going to be a salary cap cash casualty I mean I think that that's something that the you know Dan Quinn's going to have to look at when he gets there and my you know your best player is Demarcus Lawrence I mean he's the highest paid dude on your team Right. Six and a half sacks, but and you got Alden Smith is going to be a free agent. I mean, are they going to bring him back and sign him to a new deal? So he's got to be able to see what he has. And again, I think it's more it's more adaptable for them to be able to transition to this type of defense. It's a four three, and it's more basic as opposed to some of the other schemes they were doing. So uh, that's going to be the question that I think that he's going to have to, to find out and answer. Once he gets here and once you see what see what he has, does he have the same type of personnel he had in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl? You know, you mentioned the names of the Legion of Boom back in 2013 sure. and 2014. I mean, were those guys? Did he develop those guys? Was it under the system? You know, that's a, you know, these guys are, they have experience, so maybe that's a, something that may be a, a positive thing. Right, and I do think um, I think that no version of the Cowboys secondary has. You know, I think Dan Quinn's best days, Atlanta compared to Dallas, 
Dallas hasn't had a player like Keanu Neal at his peak. Dallas hasn't had a player with mm-hmm. the overall aggression of a Deion Jones. But I do think this is the difference for Dan Quinn in Dallas. He's never had a player like, at least with the Falcons, like Demarcus Lawrence. Um, the, the two primary, again, he had Adrian Claiborne for the one game and all the jokes, whatever. Um, but, I mean, the two primary pass <laughs> rushers he was given were Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley, who both had issues, didn't work out with the Falcons. And so he's finally got a war daddy, whatever. And so I do think that that goes a long way, but that is just one piece. And I mean, he he clearly works well with great talent in the secondary. So that has to be a focus. I do think it's, it's just worth mentioning that Keanu Neal, the safety that he had with the Falcons, the star safety is a free agent to be. And Richard Sherman is a free agent to be. Now, I'm not super pumped about the idea of Richard Sherman. However, I am pumped about the idea because the one of my favorite elements of the Dan Quinn hire is this is a and I hate to be super cliche, but a very strong leader of men. I remember watching, I talked about this on our breaking news episode that we did on Monday. I remember watching some documentary that they did on him, like on NFL total access um, following the 20 to three loss. And he had the Falcons players go Mm -hmm. do some training. I think it was with the Marines. It was, it was one of the branches of the military and they did, they did like, you know, they lifted like a tree together and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all that type of stuff. And it's really cool. And so he's, he's a really big military guy. He's really big into team bonding and stuff. And I think that that is something that this defense specifically really needs because this is a defense of individuals in a lot of senses. And I don't think Jalen Smith's attitude is one that works well with Dan Quinn. I think that Dan will, well, we make all the jokes and and we beat that Mm -hmm. drum, but I do think that that's the guy to, if you're going to salvage Jalen Smith, I think a Dan Quinn can, can go a long way in doing that. And in that respect, I do think that a Richard Sherman from a leadership standpoint would be very valuable to this defense. I don't think he's that great of a player anymore. However, you kind of need an adult in that room right now. I think that would have been Gerald McCoy uh, and Richard Sherman's a guy who's been there and done that. And, and Richard Sherman's the guy like Michael Bennett on Thanksgiving a year and a half ago now would be cussing them out in the locker room for playing like crap. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, and, and I think Demarcus Lawrence, I don't know what his leadership role is in, in that huddle, but he's been around for, uh, he's what, six or seven years. I mean, it, he's climbed the ladder as far as experience. So to me, I would expect him to be a leader. Sure. Maybe he's not that type of, I mean, I think that your leadership skills uh, represent themselves on your play, the way you play on the field, not just your, you know, your verbal, uh, you know, just what you say. It, you you validate that the way you play. So um, I, I think that Richard Sherman. I think he's. I think he's still not a bad player in the National Football League. I think he's got. Obviously, he's a veteran, and you know, he's probably in the latter part of his career. But I do like the fact that he is very boisterous. Um, the accountability thing. I think you need that. But I think more importantly, you need guys that can play. And to me, you know, we can mention those names. You know, Demarcus. You know, he's he's still – I think he's got a couple good years. Trayvon, he's going to be a – I think he's going to be a tremendous player. I think he's going to – he's probably going to be a guy that really be a Pro Bowl player one of these days. Leighton Van Der Esch, I mean, I don't know. Is he going to be on – is he going to be on the injured list all the time? And that's mm. the longevity. Donovan Wilson's a good safety. I mean, I, I, I mean, he's really uh, catapulted his play. Randy Gregory, I think he's got a lot of upside to him. I mean, he, he is a guy that when he's playing hard, 
given a chance and staying on the field and hopefully all the things he had off the field behind he's a he's a dominant force so you still have to have you can have the scheme and everything but you still have to have the ingredients and the ingredients being the players and you know to me that still needs to be that still remains to be seen it is um i i mean again i think this is as as exciting of a move as the cowboys could have made at this particular position. However, I think that they fell so flat that nobody wants to give them any benefit of the doubt in the excitement department. You know what I mean? People are like, fine, you hired Dan Quinn, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it. And that's fair. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that, that really is fair given the way they play. And I'm not going to get all excited about a hire either, RJ. I, I, a name to me doesn't, doesn't do the job. I, mean, I think that we'll, yeah, it's a great, and I think the players will have respect for him because he is, was a head coach, and I think he'll have the respect factor, and and and, and definitely it's vogue more vogue than probably Mike Nolan. Right, uh, Mike Nolan may have been living in the past just a little bit and didn't understand, you know, that that it's a little different now. And I'm not saying that in there, but that's just the of the game. I think Danny all those now. You got to earn your spirit, you know. You got to earn the players. The they got to earn respect of the coach. And if you play in that type of realm, then I think you you're able to to have different things, uh, you know, th- that add up. And 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 the ultimate goal is results. So my final thing here, Tony. Um, maybe it's just been enough time since the last Cowboys game to allow for optimism to be reborn in me. Um, maybe you know golf was back we saw the century last week so i've been in a good mood you know what i mean um i whatever the case may be i think that monday M- monday revitalized my spirits for the cowboys in a new way um in a way that they hadn't at least been you know in, in a way that wind hadn't put sails in in a while it, and it was a combination of the dan quinn hire because i do believe this was the best option on the table it remains to be seen how successful it will be i agree with you but in combination with the fact that, and look, I'm not saying, you know, this, I, I would never celebrate somebody getting fired, but the Philadelphia Eagles being stupid enough to, ha- to fire Doug Peterson is a big deal for the Cowboys. I mean, he's, he was by far the best coach in the division and they are clearly committed to Carson Wentz. And again, not to, you know, continue to bag on the guy, but he's one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL and the easiest path to the playoffs is to win your division. And so, I mean, I still, I know Washington won the division. I know New York got cute at the end. I still, you know, Philly has always found a way under Doug Peterson. And so the fact that they are willing to move on from him, I think really, really opens the door for the Cowboys in the NFC. So I don't, do you agree at all? I, I, I don't know. The whole re, the, the way that Doug Peterson handled that whole Carson Wentz in that last game of the season, just so quirky. And you're talking about a guy falling from grace. I mean, as far as a guy that ended up winning the Super Bowl and, you know, this year was just a debacle because of everything else, the asterisk, you know, by the season, uh, with this season because of the whole COVID deal. But I, I just think the way he handled that Carson Wentz, and I think at the end of the day, it's all about Jeff Lurie, the ownership. I mean, I don't know if he was very happy with the way he handled that. And um, but yeah, I think that I think the uh, be careful what you wish for, right? Because whoever comes in as a new coach, at, you know, at the Eagles, which I hear so many different stories. Kill Urban Meyer, they're targeting Urban Meyer. I mean, I don't know if he, Urban Meyer. They say in Jacksonville, that's a done deal. 
So I don't know what your boy what Lincoln Riley has been connected Lincoln to that Riley. job. Yeah. So, and, and to me, I mean, can you imagine Lincoln Riley there? I, th I think just a different offense, a different type of philosophy. But to your point, I think it, I, I think the Cowboys, you know, RJ, you can't really look and read all into that because I think Carson Wentz, who knows, under a different system, the relationship, whatever happened with him and Doug Peterson, obviously wasn't very good. And it just didn't. When you and think of this, when you're investing that much money in one guy, hundred million dollars, you're just not going to just like okay, give up on it. I mean, if you're paying a guy, especially ownership, you're thinking okay, we need to figure this out. We can't give up on him yet. And I think Doug Peterson pretty much, you know, just said, look, he raised his hands and I'm done with it. And you know, I don't think that was interpreted well, but we'll we'll see how that how that. Uh, you know, bodes, bodes in the uh, NFC East. I hope the NFC East is a lot better than it was this year. Or yeah, I mean, year. look, I would <laughs> I would love for it to not – I obviously, I want the Cowboys to win the NFC East, but I don't want it to be this, like, you know, they win it, you know, in early December because they've already hit eight wins and everybody else is super bad. Like, I want there to be – I want the weeks that the Cowboys play these teams for, for – be, for, you know, to be ones that we're stressing about. Like, that's what's fun. You know what I mean? Um, so, it is what and it is. And then you got Washington. How about they ended with a, with a, with a quarterback's last name, Heineken. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I mean, it's a tremendous, it's just a, God, it's just a crazy year, RJ. Um, my last question for you, um, Lincoln Riley obviously could go to the Eagles and obviously reunite with Jalen Hurts. Uh, there's one Oklahoma quarterback currently alive in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Baker Mayfield's Cleveland mm -hmm. Browns will visit Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody's going to be talking all week long about the crazy Oklahoma Texas Tech game that happened way back when, where like a thousand points were scored, oh, yeah. a gajillion a yards. Thousand yards. Um, <laughs> what I don't know what the opening line is. Um, I'll be I'll be frank right there. But do you think that Baker stands a chance? Because I I honestly think that as an NFL society, we're not giving that this dude enough credit because he did it. Like he he did what. Nobody could do he when when they drafted a number one overall, everybody had their comments and everybody, you know, oh, he celebrates, he got commercials, whatever. He did it. He led them to the playoffs and he won a playoff game. And I think he deserves yeah. a lot of credit for that. Well, I think he did. They haven't won a playoff game since what, 1994 or the I last mean, the last time the Browns won a playoff game, Tony, you guys were two time defending world champions. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm an old man. And that puts everything in perspective. I mean, come on. But. Yeah, to Baker, I, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people. There, he rubs them the wrong way, just the way he, you know, he he his personality, and he's he's kind of a goofy kind of a quirky kind of guy, and I like that. Um, but yeah, I think you have to give him credit for putting that their their head coach. I mean, has done a tremendous job. I mean, just the whole, you know, against Pittsburgh. I mean, how they uh, Pittsburgh. I don't know what the hell happened to them, but yeah, I think you have to give him credit. Now, here's the, the whole storyline in this game. It's totally different than it was when Texas Tech was Patrick Mahomes right. versus Baker Mayfield. Now you have – and I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is in, this, in this, is in this top tier. Baker Mayfield is probably in the middle, maybe – you know, I don't know. So, if you're going to get these two quarterbacks going back and forth, their offenses are totally different. I mean, weapons tree and everything. I mean, Cleveland is a team that's built on running first. And, you know, and then you have Baker being able to be concise and be able to make plays. And, but I, I think he did. I mean, I, I, congratulations to him. I mean, he's, he's really given him opportunity. And, 
whenever a lot of people start to that sophomore year when he didn't play well, didn't think he was, you know, going to have a, you know, be the guy that's going to lead them out of the dog pound cellar. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't know what the line is now. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably nine and a half. I mean, I haven't checked it, uh, but I, I believe it's probably going to be in that type of range, you know, uh, because I think, you know, Kansas City is a team that just got so many weapons. And uh, I, I hope that it's a, a, a great game. I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh was talking so much smack. Right. And they just didn't back it up. And that's the worst thing that's going to ever happen. But, hey, man, the Sooners and, uh, you know, that whole DNA. I'm amazed at how many connection there is in the National Football League of people that, you know, the former players that played at Oklahoma. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty – Amazing how many players are relevant right now, especially in the playoff picture. Right. It's a good point. By the way, I just looked, at least as of the time we're recording here, Tuesday morning, the line is 10. So good job. Yeah, look at you. You know, you're right on the money, baby. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> to, hoping it goes down just a little bit more so I can make my parlay bets. Uh, well, good luck with that, Tony. Everybody, enjoy the week. We'll be back next Tuesday. This was the 